Good, whoa, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, squirrels and ocelots, mimes and pipe fitters, tap dancers and brick masons, those who remembered their galoshes and umbrellas this morning, and those, like me, who forgot. All are welcome here at Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Heard Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, right here on 1320 WARA and all over... The world at WARARadio.com. Ha! Ah, we are live in studio. In studio, I tell you. So the phone lines are open for your calls at 508 222 1320. 508 222 1320 is Lur Numbert. You can also, where's my phone? Oh, here it is. You can also text the show and become a remote correspondent at 774 287. 6194. That's 774-287-6194. Uh, in a minute or so, you can uh, email the show once I get it set up at paul at wararadio.com. That's paul at wararadio.com. The amazing Jim Corbin will be joining us just after 10 a.m. Got to find out exactly how much, how much rain is coming, I ask you. And then I'll ask Jim. Uh, we have our soccer schedule this afternoon as the uh, Attleboro girls soccer team, the uh, Fighting Blue Bombardiers, are hosting what might be the uh, best girls soccer team in the state, the uh, Bishop Fian uh, girls under Coach Phil Silva. Uh, they're always good. This year they're way wicked good. Boston Globe has them ranked number one in Eastern Mass. That's scheduled for 345. Rain doesn't usually stop soccer, but how much rain are we getting? And who's the cameraman going to be? I assume they're going to be in the press box, not on top of it. Uh, So that's scheduled today for 345 on the AACS uh, YouTube channel, AACS channel 15. Yeah. Ah. All right. Where do we start? Where do we start? Ah. Hold on. Get rid of that. It's my big brother Mike's birthday today. Yes, big brother Michael, born 10 years and two days before me. He's 75 uh, years old. He's going to be in the area uh, soon. I called him Friday night, Thursday night. Last Thursday night, he told me all the dates he's going to be in town, but I was driving. I didn't write them down like I know. There's a small chance he might join us in the booth for one of our football games. Uh, but I think he has uh, homecoming activities down at URI. But my big brother, Mike, 75 years old today. Might have to give him a call um, a little bit later. Reminisce about some Harvey Lane memories, noogies, wedgies, things like that. I don't know. In Denmark, hold on, write that down. In Denmark, a man was on trial for bank robbery when he escaped during a court recess. After escaping, however, he did not flee the area. He did not flee the area or even try to disguise uh, disguise himself. Nope. The man went back to his former employer and asked for his job back. So the guy successfully, successfully escapes uh, from the court during a recess and instead of fleeing, uh, goes to his old employer. Asked for his job back. The employer said he would consider it. Why don't you just sit here? I'll be with you in just a minute. Uh, Went into his office and called the police. 
Within a half hour, the man was back in court. And I think he's going to be in jail uh, for quite some time. Yeah, uh, it's Monday in the Sun Chronicle. You know what that means, pet day. Pet day, and speaking of pets, in a survey, more than 90% of employers who allow dogs in the workplace noticed a positive change in the working environment. Huh. So I guess people aren't afraid to act like a jerk or a bass pole in front of their coworkers, but they're on their best behavior in front of a dog. And of course, dogs are very, very good judges of people. <clears throat> so yeah. Hmm. More than 90% of employers who allow dogs in the workplace noticed a positive change in the working environment. One in two found that there was a decrease in absenteeism. Wow. They still hate their boss. They still hate their job. But they're not going to call in sick when a cute, cuddly dog is there. 67% said it improved staff morale. And 56% discovered that work relations improved. I wonder how they decide who cleans up after the dog. I don't know. But um, stories... Where are we here? Here we go. Uh, it's not always good news with dogs. Oh, click on this. You don't surprise me. Not always good news with dogs. Uh, sometimes things can go wrong. For example, uh, let's go to the Fox 11 outlet out of Los Angeles. Couple livid, livid, I tell you, after sitting next to a farting dog on a 13-hour flight. Wow. Wow. Pardon me? No, it wasn't the wife blaming the dog, please. How dare you? Uh, Adam Sabes wrote this story. A couple from New Zealand is demanding a refund after they sat next to a smelly dog on their 13-hour-long Singapore Airlines flight. Gill and Warren Press were headed back to New Zealand from Paris in June when they were surprised to see a dog with a passenger in the seat next to them. Gil Press said she heard this noise, a very heavy snorting. Oh, she thought it was snorting. I thought it was my husband's phone, or just my husband. But we looked down and realized it was the dog breathing. I said, I'm not having this sitting next to me the whole trip. The woman said she overheard the dog's owner saying to another passenger that he gets nervous on planes and needs the pet by his side. Is it a certified comfort dog? I don't know. By the way, I got to start. What song are we going to start with today? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. The couple decided to stay in their premium economy seats after speaking with a flight attendant who said the only other available seats were located in the back row of the economy section. So their choice is to sit in the economy section for 13 hours with no leg room or next to the loud breathing and gas-passing canine. However, about halfway through the flight, the dog began farting, passing gas as it were, who, uh, according to press, who added that it was occupying her husband's leg room. The passenger couldn't have the dog out in the aisle because they couldn't get the trolleys through. So it had come in further, which meant his head was under my husband's feet. I wonder if the dog, anyone speak dog? We know that um, <clears throat> Barbara Billingsley, uh, June Cleaver, spoke jive in the movie Airplane. But if anyone spoke dog, I wonder if the dog 
while farting, was complaining about the smell of the man's feet. Just asking, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but uh, my husband was in shorts and was getting the dog saliva goo on his leg. Ooh, she added. The couple spoke to the flight attendant, and they were moved to an economy seat that was early reserved for staff. Hold on here. Hello. Hello. Nope. That was my flip phone ringing. Uh, the couple spoke to a flight attendant and then were moved to an economy seat that was earlier reserved for staff. They were told that an incident report would be filed and the airline would contact them. A week went by and press still did not hear from the airline. The airline emailed back two weeks later and got an, uh, they got an offer of a $74 gift voucher for Singapore Airlines' Chris Shop website. She responded that the offer did not reflect the difference in value between their original premium economy seats and the economy seats they were relocated to, away from the farting, drooling dog. The airline then offered a travel voucher of 200 buckaroos per person, which press said still was not acceptable. Unacceptable. Unacceptable, I tell you. And the economy seats, uh, oh, where was I? Uh, and it's demanding a full refund of that leg of the trip. We did not receive the experience we paid for. Now, should she get the reimbursement from the airline or from the owner of the wheezing, drooling, farting dog? I don't know. Pardon me? No, it's okay to do this story. Carol's finished her oatmeal. She's on the road early today. Don't worry. Singapore Airlines endeavors to notify customers who may be seated next to an assistance dog prior to boarding the flight. We sincerely apologize, spelled with an S in the English style, uh, or British, uh, we sincerely apologize that this did not occur in this case and will work with our airport teams to ensure that this lapse does not occur in the future, the airline spokesperson said, in circumstances where the customers... Seated next to an assistance dog, request to be moved, Singapore Airlines will assist to reseat customers within the same cabin where space permits. Now, I'm not sure the details, but I think I saw a follow-up story. Where is it? Where is it? I think I saw a follow-up story. Yeah da 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 yeah da 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 yeah da 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 yeah New Zealand couple angered by farting dog on 13 hour flight receives a $1,400 refund. So there it is. Uh, they did get finally on their third or fourth request uh, the money they paid for that uh, wing of the flight. Uh, refunded. Yes, couple awarded $1,400 compensation after flight. Stunning. Um, have you ever had an airplane experience like that? What's your worst airplane passenger experience? Um, and I wonder if anyone ever complained about me, because in my younger days on flights, yeah, yeah, I'd be the guy who wanted to talk to the person next to me, but only for the entire flight. Normally it went well. But I wonder how many times, looking back, Jesus, that blonde albino nerd wouldn't shut the hell up. Couldn't he notice I was trying to read? And you know someone's desperate to have you shut up and stop telling stories uh, when they start reading the in-flight magazine. 
you know, stuffed in the back of the seat in front of you with a barf bag. Yeah, that, that, that's a subtle clue that they like you to shut up. So if you've ever had any miserable flying experiences, uh, you can let us know. What song am I going to start with today? Hold on here. Oh, yeah, a couple. Got a memo from the FCC. There's a couple uh, things I do have to uh, talk about. No, I can't play that song by Queen. It'll be played four times today on 105.7. Oh, maybe I'll do this one. Okay, uh, 77, whoops, 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320 is Lur Number. On this day in 1970, going back to our Utah. The first episode of The Partridge Family was shown on US TV featuring Shirley Jones, David Cassidy, Susan Day, and Danny Bonaducci. Wow. And uh, Dominic today, and wake up with Dominic, uh, was talking about his love for, adoration, dare I say, for Saturday morning cartoons during his and our Utah. Oh, who can't relate to that? Uh, a lot of the Saturday morning cartoons are back, are back, much to our Mark LaFontaine's joy on MeTV on Saturday mornings. But on this day in 1965, the Beatles cartoon premiered on ABC television in the U.S. The first story was titled, I Want to Hold Your Hand, and had the group exploring the ocean floor in a diving bell where they met a lovesick octopus. Huh. So that was 1965. How many years later did the uh, lads and Ringo write, uh, I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade? I don't know. 774-287-6194 is the number to text in. Uh, 774-287-6194. You can also uh, call, heck, 508-222-1320. Born on this day in 1930, poet, songwriter, cartoonist for Playboy magazine, Shel Silverstein. Oh, boy, did my kids love, love Shel Silverstein books uh, when they were youths. Where the sidewalk ends, you remember that one. Yes, Shel Silverstein, American poet, singer, songwriter, cartoonist for Playboy, screenwriter and author of youths books. He wrote Tom Paul Glasser's highest charting solo single, Put Another Log on the Fire, One's on the Way, a hit for Loretta Lynn, and wrote one of Johnny Cash's best-known whimsical hits, A Boy Named Sue. Other songs co-written by Silverstein include The Taker by Waylon Jennings and hits for Dr. Hook and The Medicine Show. He passed away in May of 1999. Wow. All right, we'll be right back after this on 1320 W-A-R-A. Here's a Shel Silverstein poem for you. Someone Ate the Baby. Uh, Not to be confused with Elaine on Seinfeld explaining how the dingo, the dingo, ate my baby. Belch. Wow. Uh, Welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Let me get my email up here. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, right here on 1320 WARA, all over the world at WARARadio.com. Huh. 
Huh. Um, sadly, on this day in 1999, Stephen Canaday of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. Remember them? I thought they only had one hit, but I guess they had two. If you want to get to heaven, and then the song will play in just a second, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, I know it's an A-side song, but what the heck, it's early Monday morning. Uh, sadly, on this day in 1999, Stephen Canaday of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils uh, was killed when the vintage World War II plane he was flying in rolled, inverted, and crashed into a tree. The pilot failed to maintain speed, which resulted in a stall. Um, something like this happened. Uh, out in Stowe, Massachusetts. Yeah, Stowe, right, next to Lancaster and Bolton. In other words, next to absolutely nothing. Uh, somebody uh, rolled and, uh, well, on landing, uh, crashed a World War I-era plane, and remarkably, uh, everyone was okay. Uh, uh, no deaths resulted, uh, thank heavens. But uh, yeah, play a little bit of this one. Ah, wow, haven't heard that one in a <clears throat> dog's age. Pardon me? No, not a farting dog's age, a regular dog. Stop that. 508-222-1320 is Lert Number. Uh, 508-222-1320. Florida Sibs Steel Car 923. Okay, um, we haven't said this in a while, uh, but let's go to Florida because it's always Florida. One more light story, then we get a couple serious things to get to. We won't spend too much time on it. Rainy and yucky out there. Um, Florida siblings, ages 10 and 11, stopped while driving mom's car on freeway 200 miles from home. Yes, I tell you. Florida siblings, ages 10 and 11, stopped while driving mom's car on freeway 200 miles from home. Wow. I guess they were mad at their mother because she took away their electronics or something. Man, uh, come with me to Gainesville, Florida, won't you? A 10-year-old Florida boy and his 11-year-old sister, who were running away to California, drove 200 miles. Uh, that's about 320 kilometers for you Jimmy Carter fans. Uh, by the way, who made an appearance over the weekend at a peanut festival or something. Jimmy Carter is going to be 99 years old on Sunday. Pardon me? You're right. That's a Georgia story. Let's get back to the Florida story. Yeah. A 10-year-old Florida boy and his 11-year-old sister who were running away to California uh, drove 320 kilometers, that's 200 miles, in their mother's car before they were stopped by sheriff's deputies on an interstate highway, authorities said. Wow. They didn't need no stinking driving lessons from the amazing Jim Corbin. That's how to show some initiative, kids. The Alacua, Alacua? Uh, County Sheriff's Office says deputies spotted the sedan on Interstate 75 near Gainesville in North Florida just before 4 a.m. on Thursday. That's way after their bedtime. wonder if they stayed up all night or got up early. Who knows? The children's mother... Uh, 4 a.m. Thursday. Did I say Thursday? The children's mother had reported it stolen and her utes missing four hours earlier in Northport, a city in southwest Florida. <laughs> the deputies, thinking they were dealing with car thieves, drew their guns and ordered those inside the car to step out. 
What did I do, officer? Or channeling their inner Elwood blues. The light was yellow, officer. (coughs) Much to their surprise, deputies observed a 10-year-old male driver exit the vehicle along with his 11-year-old sister, the department said in a statement. The children told deputies the girl had been upset that their mother had taken away her electronic devices for misbehaving. So her brother said, I know how to handle this. We'll steal the car and drive to California. The children were interviewed by detectives who said there was no indication they had been mistreated by their mother or anyone else in the home. The mother declined to press charges and the children were released back to her. The names of the mother and the Utes were not released. Wow. Uh, so um, what's the worst thing that happened to you on a plane? Or was it worse than sitting next to a farting dog for 13 hours? And um, <clears throat> how far did you get when you stole your parents' car? when you were 10 years old, or even 11. I think those are uh, issues we can all relate to. Oh, I did get some remote correspondence. Sorry, I have my uh, phone covered by the newspapers. My apologies, folks. Uh, Agent 6 wrote uh, seven minutes ago, rats, rainy days and Mondays always get me down. That's an original thought by Agent 6. Is that where the carpenter stole that from? They stole that line from our own Agent 6. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Not as down as the mother was when she woke up to find out her car was gone, and so were her kids, but it does uh, get you down. Yes. Um, Agent 86. Good morning, Carol and Paul. Uh, Sadly, we don't have Carol with us today. Rats. Uh, she had an uh, early appointment. Uh, she was out of the house almost uh, right after I was. But up, but up, but up, but up, but um, where'd that poem go? Um, yeah, she was out of the house um, right after I was. She has a, an appointment in Cambridge today. Good luck to her driving. Uh, good morning, Carol and Paul. Does that guy reading that story sound like Mark Clark? You mean Someone Ate the Baby by Shel Silverstein? Let's check back in and see. That, that's not funny. That's sick. That's sick. Who could think that's funny? Who could possibly think that's funny? Point. I didn't think of that when it was playing, but now that you mentioned it, I can't stop thinking about it. Who knew that Mark Clark had a side gig uh, doing voiceovers for Shel Silverstein poems? Huh. 508-222-1320 is the number to call in. 508-222-1320 is Lurt Number. You can text the show at 774-287-6194 or uh, email the show at paul at wararadio.com. Ah, there's an email from uh, Stephen Thaburge. We know him as Agent ATN. And there's the cover. I'll get to this later. Uh, the cover of his fourth, fourth science fiction novel, The story begins in the 2030s, the Great Purge, a plague, infinitely worse than fake COVID. All right, I might have added the word fake. Wipes out a large part of the world's population. By the way, it was Stephen King's birthday last week. His best book is The Stand, uh, which also has a plague that wipes out most of the world's population. (laughs) Stephen King stealing ideas from our own Asian ATN. He ought to be ashamed of himself. After his long convalescence, Andre, a wealthy writer, is now a paraplegic as well as blind. 
He engages Jared, a solicitous personal care attendant, and manages to remain more or less independent in his boyhood home on the East Coast. Andre also invests in Android development. After all, androids are very much needed to fill many jobs after the deaths of so many human beings. But neither Andre's motives nor those of a great many others are entirely altruistic. The story moves quickly into the worlds of mob bosses, drug deals, prostitution, and even art forgery, but also into the emotional realm of growing attachment between Andre and Jared. Hmm. What people thought were their servants soon get more ambitious ideas, as any form of artificial intelligence will, and they move into the world of politics. They twist religious texts into cloaks of respectability and justification for their actions. Well, so do modern-day Republicans. That's where AI got the idea. The androids got the idea. The results of their power grab, of course, are disastrous for humankind. Only the epilogue offers a hint of rebellion and a ray of hope. Succinct, often moving, and chillingly plausible, this is a tale of near-future possibilities that we can only hope are not just over the horizon here in 2023. Stephen A. Thaburge lives in Attleboro, Massachusetts, is on the uh, Commission for Disabilities, and a fan of this show, uh, you can go to, uh, is that dldbooks.com slash Stephen Thaburge slash. All right. If you want more information on that, let me know. Ooh, James Friedman uh, sent me a clip of my uh, two or three a minute interview with uh, Tom Rush last Friday. Tom was supposed to call into Dominic's show at 8.15, but <clears throat> his alarm didn't go off. I spoke to him for a couple of minutes, uh, found out where he was going to be playing locally, but as I told him, I didn't feel I should continue the interview and steal Dominic's guest. Uh, Tom Rush is going to be on with Dominic on time uh, in two days, on Wednesday morning at 8.15 a.m. Um, and I couldn't believe at 82 years old how strong uh, Tom Rush's voice sounded. Uh, obviously still sharp and aware. Heck, maybe he should run for president. Um, but he'll be on with Dominic next Wednesday at 8.15. Yeah. Da, 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 da. All right, that's it. We'll be right back after this. Oh, I let the song run out. I let Jackie Blue run out. How did that happen? All right, well, what's this other song by the Ozark Mountain Daredevils? If you want to get to heaven, we'll play a little of that, I guess. Uh, if you were listening to Wake Up with Dominic this morning, I didn't get the years, uh, but a couple of big birthdays today. Uh, Barbara Walters was born on this day. Yes, yes, the woman who um, <clears throat> knocked knees with Republican Senator Ed Brooke. Not sure if either one of them were married at the time. And uh, went on to become, what, the first famous preeminent female journalist in this country? You know what that means. i got to look up some Gilda Radner, Barbara Wawa stuff. Uh, also born on this day, this goes to Tom from Ta'a, our own Mark Ambrose, and every New York Yankee fan out there, Phil Rizzuto. Their three-foot-seven-inch uh, all-star shortstop, born on this day, <clears throat> In the year which, which Dominic mentioned about an hour ago. 
Whoops. Ow. Sorry about that. Da, 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 da. Put that down there. Da, 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 da. Yeah, da, 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 da. How long is this commercial? Come on, it's only a three-hour show. Yeah, da, 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 da. Yeah, da, 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 da. Who she is, Henry Kissinger, Gilda Radner as Barbara Wawa. Shel Silverstein, born on this day in 1930. Uh, here's a little bit of his song, <clears throat> Folk Singers Blues. <clears throat> Folk Singers Blues. wonder if Ty Waterman's a fan of this. Ah, <laughs> oh, bummer. Bummer. <clears throat> Too folksy, white, and Jewish to write a blues song. Shel Silverstein, Folk Singers Blues. Uh, dipping our toe into the real world for just a uh, momento, <clears throat> or less. Uh, yeah. House Republicans will begin debate this week on four separate funding bills ahead of a looming September 30th deadline to avert a federal government shutdown. The bills, only a part of the 12 annual appropriation bills, cover the defense, agriculture, homeland security, and state departments. Negotiations to date have almost entirely been held within the House GOP conference. Yeah. Because uh, everything's being held up by those 12 psychopaths from the Freedom Caucus. Wow. You know, those guys in the Freedom Caucus who constantly, constantly thump their Bibles while doing the exact opposite of what Jesus would do at every opportunity. Uh, but up and up. With a slim 221 to 212 seat advantage in the chamber. And needing a simple majority to pass a bill, at least seven conservative lawmakers have told Speaker Kevin McCarthy they will oppose any short-term stopgap funding measure. The bloc has instead pushed for consideration of each individual spending bill, a promise McCarthy made during his run for Speaker when he bent over and took it up. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know the metaphor. Uh, from these people just to get the gig as speaker, uh, along with deeper spending cuts and other provisions. Any bills would require approval from the Democratic-controlled Senate, so Republicans, uh, good luck with that. But a government shutdown, wow, wow. Uh, again, this, you know, Monday, rainy. Uh, that'd be a terrible, horrible, awful thing. Rats. Darn the luck. But we'll move on quickly. Um <clears throat> Oh, in science news, surgeons successfully transplanted a modified pig heart into a human patient Friday. Just the second time in history the groundbreaking procedure had been performed. The gentleman woke up from surgery desperate, desperate to watch some old porky pig cartoons. <clears throat> or not, I'm not sure. Uh, the recipient... 58-year-old Lawrence Fawcett was said to be awake and recovering with the organ fully functioning, absent any supportive devices. Uh, the nurse, well, excuse me, the uh, hospital attendants delivered his breakfast, which he immediately threw against the wall because it included bacon. <clears throat> yeah. Pardon me? All right, I might have made that up too. Known as, uh-oh, Xenotransplantation, the approach relies on pigs genetically engineered not, 
uh, to not possess a specific sugar molecule whose presence leads to organ rejection by the human body. Doctors successfully carried out the first such procedure last January. Patient died two months after the surgery, but not due to organ rejection, but because of a number of other factors, including the presence of a latent animal virus in his heart. Not sure if that came from the transplant or not. The news follows the successful transplants of pig kidneys into brain-dead patients. Researchers hope more such surgeries will eventually provide a source of viable organs for those awaiting transplants. More than 6,000 patients die each year waiting for donors. Wow. Well, a, a new use... A new use for pigs. 774-287-6194 is Lurt Number. 774-287-6194 is the number to text in. You can call the show at 508-222-1320. We interrupt this cruise into our commercial break. Agent 95 writes regarding the... Oh, one second. Regarding the Barbara Wawa clip. Hold on, Peter. Um, that was back when Saturday Night Live made fun of everybody. Oh, they still make fun of all the presidents. They've done skits about uh, Joe Biden. It's just that the writers have been on strike for so long. i got to let Peter J. Wiggins in. Uh, so let me go back to this for a second. Um, yeah. And, uh, and a second, a second interruption as we cruise into our 945 commercial break, and it's only 949. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, squirrels and ocelots, unless you're driving standard attention, Peter J. Wiggins Good is morning, in studio. Paul. What's going on in Nortontown? Today, going to North Vatterbury High School to cover the Norton Lancers volleyball game against the North Vatterbury Red Rocketeers at 5.15 p.m. Okay, next. And the Norton FinCon meeting will take place at 7 o'clock. FinCon? Fin. Finance committee meeting at 7 o'clock. Ah, okay. And tomorrow, it's the Wheaton volleyball game against Coast Guard at 7 o'clock at Emerson Gym. All right. Um, Peter is doing this um, the way Jim Corbin does our weather. You're doing this without notes yep. off the top of your head. Yes. Outstanding. What else is going on in Norton? Norton Lancers football team on Friday night blew out the Nipmuc Warriors 34 to nothing. What towns... Uh, do the Nipmuc students come from? They come from Upton and Upton and just southeast of Worcester. Upton and Upton and Grafton. No, Menden. Up, Good Upton guess Menden. though. Good guess though. Upton I'm gonna give Menden. I'm gonna give you credit. Like there's a difference between those central mass towns. Yep. Uh, well done, Peter. What else is going on? That's it. Hello, Jackie. All right, Peter J. Wiggins. Outstanding. He'll be on Thursdays. Every Thursday at 2 o'clock, I think the name of the show is Everything You Wanted to Know About Norton, But We're Afraid to Ask. Is that correct? That's it. Oh, it is? <laughs> You're playing along. Uh, sorry I left you standing in the rain out there, but I'm alone in here. Darn the luck. Uh, that's okay. Have go, a good day, Paul. See you too. Bye. Go get him. Peter J. Wiggins. What did I hit? What did I hit? What did, Oh. What's playing here? Rats. Get rid of that. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry, folks. Here we go.
Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. I got it ready here. No, get back there. Um, on this day in 1970, season one, episode one of the Partridge family. Uh, here's voice of the beehive. A couple of nutty sisters from California performing live in England. On their show, the uh, Top of the Pops. What happens when you combine the Partridge family with the cure? Everybody! Oh, get away from me. Voice of the Beehive. Yeah. Oh, what's the other song they do? Um, oh, gosh, don't tell me. Uh, that's why I drink, so I'll be who they think I am. I don't say nothing. Anyway, uh, 508-222-1320. Sorrow, Agent 6, I missed your remote correspondence. Uh, did you attend any nice fall festivals or craft fairs this beautiful weekend? <clears throat> beautiful? Uh, no. No, I slipped one by the lovely Carol McLaughlin of the Quincy McLaughlins, and we made it through the first weekend of the fall uh, without, without going to a fall festival or an a la Forsaken craft fair, where every booth looks exactly like the one next to it. Wow. Um, uh, our, uh, is the farmer's market still going on in Attleboro? The one near our house in Quincy, uh, they closed up shop, maybe because of the rain Sunday, I'm not sure. Uh, but I know the one at Pawtucket is still going on. How long is the uh, Attleboro farmer's market going on? Wow. Hey, it's already at 9.57, almost 9.58. The amazing Jim Corbin... Uh, we'll be joining us just after our 10 a.m. break. wonder if he's a Shel Silverstein fan. He was born on this day in 1930. Um, to tell us uh, how much rain we're going to get. Uh, I looked at the weather on the uh, computer here, and it looks like it's going to be more than just a little bit. Rats. Don't know if that's going to affect high school sports this afternoon. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, on this day in 1789, what's the song by Meatloaf? 10 out of 12 ain't bad. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's two out of three ain't bad. Uh, Ten out of 12 ain't bad. The U.S. Congress passed the Bill of Rights. Oh, I should find that Jay Leno clip where he reads the Bill of Rights to people. They think it's some evil commie manifesto. Uh, yeah, 10 out of 12. The Bill of Rights was almost uh, 12, uh, not 10 bills, as it were. Uh, Christopher Reeve, born on this day in 1952. Uh, with the help of the U.S. military, actually the National Guard, uh, the Little Rock Nine integrates Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, on this day in 1957, to the chagrin of just about every single white person in the entire South. Rats. Blacks are people, too. Not on my watch. Not on my watch, I tell you. Well, and uh, Big Brother Mike, my Big Brother Michael Healy, born on this day, 75 years ago. Wow. Wow. Oh, in case Lee is listening, because I know Ali, one of your best friends, uh, Adrian, um, is concerned about all things Armenia. We have the Armenian Hour every Sunday, 9 till 12. Well, it looks like the Armenians 
uh, as they have through just about all of human history, are taking it right in the teeth again. Roughly 120,000 ethnic Armenians in the Nagorno-Karabakh region, a contested enclave in southwestern Azerbaijan, are likely to evacuate and move to Armenia, unless they build a wall. The announcement follows Azerbaijani's decisive day-long takeover of the roughly 2,000-square-mile mountainous territory last week. Tensions stem from territorial divisions since at least 1923. 1923, I tell you, when the nascent Soviet Union established Christian Nagorno-Karabakh as an oblast within the mostly Muslim Azerbaijan Soviet Republic. In 1991, Armenian separatists dedicated independence, excuse me, declared independence and increased their territory amid the Soviet Union's collapse. But the region, called the Republic of Artska by Armenians, failed to gain um, international recognition. Short but deadly flare-ups in 2016 and 2020 strengthened Azerbaijani's position, while Armenia's major ally, the Ruskis, uh, have had limited resources to contribute to the region's defense amid its forays into Ukraine. Long-blockaded humanitarian aid has begun to arrive in the region. Azerbaijan announced it would guarantee... Stop it. Stop it. I thought I had the pause button pressed. I must have double-clicked. Azerbaijan announced it would guarantee protection for ethnic Armenians. That would be a first in the enclave, but Armenians have expressed concerns over ethnic cleansing because the Azerbaijanis have spent the last, oh, I don't know, century trying to ethnically cleanse the area. Darn. We'll be right back after this. Uh, The Amazing Jim Corbin coming up on 1320 WAR. Everybody! Barbara Walters was born... On this day, sometime in the past, should have paid closer attention to Dominic Rats. Well, I know what we want right now. I know what we want. We want a dead-on, balls-accurate meteorological update from the amazing Jim Corbin. Jim, let it rip. By the way, I had that record from Uh. the Partridge family, early 70s, playing it on the big stereo downstairs. Oh, you know, at, on, at Harvey Lane growing up, we were all about the monkeys. We were all about the monkeys. But oh, yeah. somehow when 1970 came along, we, we thought we were too cool for the Partridge family. <laughs> and again, we <laughs> were Healy's. We're not too cool for anything, uh, but that's what we thought back then. Rats. Uh, that was great. And, of course, the, the record player going around. I remember having the album Hair? Remember the Hair? Yes. Album? That was another one came out then. But all, like, bright colors on the... Stuff and uh, I remember always thinking it got me into the atmosphere. Caught whoa, carbon monoxide. Hello, da 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 da. The air, the air is everywhere. Remember that? Uh, can Hello, I be honest? Carbon monoxide. Can I be honest? Yes. No. Oh, you gotta Paul find it. Carbon? While I'm rambling, I'm gonna ramble. Look up the hair album, whatever. And just to Google something about carbon dioxide. There was, there was one song that talked about how dirty the air was. Of course, in the early 70s, you know, before the Clean Air Act, it was pretty dirty. So anyway, I'm going to talk about not dirty air today, but wet air, obviously. Third straight day of... Hold on, uh, hold rain. on. Was it from the show Hair, the, the play Hair, the album yeah. Hair? It might have been. It might have been. But just t- if you type in something about music, hair, and talking about bad air and carbon dioxide and monoxide, it's fine. It was actually kind of a cool song. 
All right. You've got a few minutes to figure it out while I'm talking. Okay. Not telling you what to do. But anyway, third straight day of rain. Are you talking about, is there a game later today, Paul? That's why you're in studio? Uh, yes. The uh, ladies from Attleboro uh, are going to take on their cross-rival, the Bishop Fian fighting Shamrocks, who might be the best girls soccer team in the state. Uh, yeah, this, this, Good for them. this could be a tough one. Yeah, I think the other a couple of weeks ago, I was with one of the Fian uh, girls driving. Uh, for infused on the soccer team. I remember her making the comment. She thought the team was looking really good. So anyway, well, uh, we're going to have low sixties. Considering today. they've outscored their opponents thirty-three to one to start the season with five wins and a tie. Yeah, I think they are pretty good this year. Well, good for them. Yeah. And uh, uh, they'll, now they do play soccer in rain as long as it's not like heavy downpours right? and flooding. Yeah. Or lightning. I no lightning expected today. So I would think they'll get the game in. Just a little damp field. Which, which field are they playing on? Uh, Tozer. No, Tozer. Cassidy Field with their techno turf. Which drains pretty well then, right? Doesn't sound like it's going to be right. bad conditions, slippery. Well, probably is a little more slippery than grass, maybe. But anyway, no, I think they should get the game in. I mean, uh, unlike baseball. <laughs> but anyway, all right. We're going to have low 60s today, mid to upper 50s tonight. Uh Periods of mostly light rain. At times, as we've observed uh, this morning, Paul, uh, just stopped raining, but it's just that damp, raw field. Northeast yeah. winds could be a bit of an issue, uh, 20 to 25 miles an hour. Have you ever done a po- soccer game? Paul, here's one. I know you've talked about punts that almost went backwards. Yeah. Have you ever done a soccer game that it was extremely windy and it, uh, the men or boys, girls or men were having trouble kicking the ball around, or is that not really possible in soccer? Um. Yeah, we did a game a few years ago where it was way wicked windy, where if you punted, the goalie punted the ball one way, the ball would go almost the length of the field. And if you punted the ball the other way, the ball would go straight up and then straight down. But it didn't happen often. We interrupt this meteorological update. Agent 74 writes in, wow, I'm actually enjoying your music today. L-O-L. Wow. Well, that's unfortunate because the uh, next song I have picked out after uh, Air from the soundtrack of Hair. Um, oh, that's what it was, Air, yeah. Yeah, is a song from one of my uh, mixtapes from the late 80s. Uh, we're going to feature a song by uh, Sam Phillips, Samantha Phillips, uh, which I don't think Agent 74 will like, but I'm glad that you like the music so far. Anyway, Jim, we were talking about, let me think. Oh, yes, the weather. The weather, yeah. So uh, they, unlike baseball, they do play in soccer in the rain. By the way, why wouldn't they? Maybe they, the ball would be too slippery to kick, No. Well, too slippery to kick's not a problem. It's too slippery for the goaltenders to catch. <laughs> but nowadays, you know, in, ba- no, in baseball, though, oh. I mean, everyone's so padded up. I mean, they're worried about, oh, the right. pitcher, it might slip out of his hand. <laughs> anyway, all right, tonight, mid to upper 50s. Tomorrow, Paul, we start the improvement in terms of the rain. We had four straight days last week with no rain, three straight days, including today, of rain. Cloudy start tomorrow, sun and clouds tomorrow afternoon, highs in the mid-60s. Northeast winds, still a little busy, about 15, 20 miles an hour, but not strong winds. And then here's the good news for Wednesday and Thursday. Any more games Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday? <sighs> Thursday night football as the Attleboro Fighting Blue Bombardiers host the Milford Fighting Scarlet Hawks. That one might be now ugly. I, now, I was talking with a kid on one of the football teams the other day again, uh, and I asked him about this Thursday night stuff. I think, he, I think he was a KP. And he said, oh, we don't play on Thursday night. It's always Friday. And I said something about, isn't there like a – Referee strike, or there's not enough referees? Um, I never heard about that. Uh, he's going to so be surprised. No, no, KP, uh, every team in the Hockamock League, I know they were asked to schedule for the Thursday night games. Um, 
Some of them though are refusing though, right? Because he said no, we're playing tomorrow night no, or whatever I, it was. I think I think he's uh he's mistaken and you ought to check with our head coach Brian Lee okay. to straighten so him out. It's widespread. It's widespread. There's only not certain leagues. No, it's statewide. Statewide. All yeah. right, let's get back to that quickly. So Oh the, the weather, good thinking. Ch- that's right, that's why I'm here. Uh the, the next possible chance of rain, Paul, could be late Friday afternoon or Friday night, but that looks like it could stay south of us. We'll have more tomorrow. But the good news we have one more day of this rain. So, you know, we need it from time to time. Rainy days and Mondays let you down, as someone said earlier. Uh, obviously, something for where did that come from? Who, who came up with that? The Carpenters. Rain. The Carpenters. carpenters. And we learned today they stole that line from our own Agent Six. Huh. <laughs> there you go. All right. But if that stays south of us, get this, Paul. There's some indication with the, the way the jet stream is setting up. If we don't get a window of opportunity of rain late Friday or, or a portion of Saturday, we may not get rain after early, uh, sometime tonight, until the middle of at least the middle of next week. So we could be looking for to get about four in a row, a week straight or more without any rain, which really would be a good thing. It would, yeah. uh, the colors, a little bit more of the colors, because they like the cool, crisp mornings and the bright sunshine during the day. A little more colors getting coming out on the trees, and of course any outdoor activities, because the water table so high, we could withstand probably ten straight days without rain and not be in any trouble. So that's the good news in that regard. Okay. Yay. By the way, the tropics. Do you know what happened uh, on September 27th, 1985? We've talked about it. Yes, it was my birthday. And? How old did I turn? What year did you say? 85. All right. 85 minus 50. Were you about 27? Let's see. Uh, That'd be 7. 27, yes. Okay, I turned 27 years old. <laughs> on Hurricane, the day of Hurricane Gloria, right? Oh, okay. oh, that was a big one. But I, I bring that up because did you know the, the, the forgotten storm two days prior to Gloria? It was a weak tropical storm, but we actually got a hit basically southern Rhode Island uh, 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 September 25th. So I bring it up. Today's date, 1985, two days before Gloria, we actually got hit by a tropical storm. The winds are about 40 miles an hour, and there was a few hours of heavy rain, especially huh. in Rhode Island. So it was interesting, two days before Gloria, and that was uh, Henri. That was the tropical storm Henri. And Actually, the full, name, the full name of that tropical storm was Henri Richard the I Rocket, but that's a different story. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Henri, it was Henri with an I, not a Y at the end. Of course. And then, and then on this date, 15 years later, we had another storm, Helene, which was a major hurricane. Thank goodness it stayed out at sea, but we got grazed a little bit like what we had the other day with Lee uh, on this date. So th- we're still in the hip- midst of all these anniversaries of storms and, of course, Gloria anniversary, your 27th birthday. Yes, thank uh, you. This, wen- this Wednesday. So, and by the way, the full harvest moon yes. will be for viewing pleasure this Friday. Yeah. Uh, and early risers, Dharma, of course, is an early riser. Many aren't, uh, I know, but uh, the bright planets, we, we'll probably have to maybe do a little singing of this tomorrow, bring back Frankie Avalon, Venus, and also Mercury. Uh, if anyone, uh, Mercury, one of the better viewings of, I bring this up because we have two or three clear uh, nights coming up beginning tomorrow night, Mercury and Venus, but you have to get up early before the sun comes up. Of course, the sun is coming up a little late. So yeah. uh, if you look, if you look in the darkness toward the east, uh, sometime, you know, when it's still dark, but just as it's getting light, you will be able to see Venus and Mercury. Huh. Uh, eventually they'll transition to the evening sky, which is obviously easier for most people because they're up then. Yeah. But, you know, so, so we'll... I'm reading a book now about um, WBCN from their origins to their demise. 
And uh, you just made me think of uh, Daryl Martini, the Cosmic Muffin, who did their um, astrology reports. Uh, it is a wise well, man know, who rule right. the star, rules the stars. It is a fool who's ruled by them. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Boy, I haven't heard that. Uh, but I remember listening to it because I've always been interested in, obviously, astronomy. Yeah. As well as, uh, but you know, I'd forgotten about him. Is he still alive? <clears throat> I uh, don't Probably know. <laughs> yeah. He was on Charles well, Lacordaire's show all the time, and Charles is still alive, uh, living in Hawaii. You know what else I forgot? What? I forgot that Charles Lacordaire just took two years off in the 70s. Took two years off in the 70s uh, to do cocaine in his house in Stowe. Finally got sick of that and came back on air. But I had completely forgotten that Charles Lacordaire uh, just took a year and a half, two years off uh, and just lived happily in Stowe, very rarely left the house, and very rarely stopped snorting. Who knew? Good for him, though, that he was able to come back and continue his career, right? Exactly, yeah. A lot of people would do that for a couple of years, get on some so bad stuff, and never come back. Oh, right? I've been on great radio shows that have been came to an end for that uh, very reason. Rats. <laughs> anyway, Paul, about a th- you were asking how much rain. I'd say an average of about a third of an inch for the rest of today. So spread out over several hours. There shouldn't be any real issues. Just, you know, hopefully they'll be... Uh, being okay running around on the field there for the soccer game. So All right. I would think they should should get the game in. No lightning to worry about. And we begin by tomorrow afternoon, potentially, yep. potentially through the middle of next week, little or no rain. So get through today and we should be okay. Okay, then I can get back. Stop it. Stop it. One, uh, you did that right on cue. You finished your uh, report right on cue. I, how come no I, keep, I keep missing the pause button? Yes, with no notes. Rats. Agent 5 writes in, hello and good morning, Paul. And the amazing Jim Corbin on another drismal day. I like that, drismal. Please stop the rain. Ugh, please. Well, now she's channeling her inner Creedence Clearwater Revival, Who'll Stop the Rain. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I could once saying that, Who'll Stop the Rain. But oh. Well, we'll, we'll, we're going to stop it tomorrow morning. And we may not get any more for about a week to ten days. Outstanding. Jackie Romanicki writes in, the referee issue or football official uh, issue, the shortage of same, is widespread. It was on Channel 4 WBZ News this weekend. And by the way, speaking of, um, did you see any of the Patriots-Jets game Sunday? Me? Yeah. Yes, most of it, not 100%. Yeah, I kind of, I ended up just having it on in the background. God, what a boring, boring, boring game. Big deal. The Patriots won 15-13. They still, at least on offense, stunk out loud, and they still can't do a thing on offense in the fourth quarter. Rats. I still think Mackey is early and late. It's always somewhere in the middle. I mean, I know they did score the first time yesterday, but they're usually slow starters, and they fade late. And low finish. And who the hell was that tight end who had that beautiful long touchdown run? I never heard of the guy. Huh. He's supposedly the one that uh, was supposed to just do blocking. I guess, yeah, probably, really. You probably know more about that. Apparently, they fooled him and they let him go because he was the, third, the three tight ends out there that they never thought would be the one to catch the yeah. ball. So that's what I that's what I heard. I don't know. Oh, um, Jim, we need um because I know you're in the uh, meteorological 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 laboratory. Rats! Yes. I can't say nuclear or Worcestershire. Um, you might have to check your notes this time. Uh, Agent Six writes, can you get more information from Jim regarding that possible rain Friday as I'm traveling all day to Virginia Tech, Blacksburg, Virginia, right, to see them lose to Pittsburgh 
on Saturday. Agent Six, is your son still at Virginia Tech, or is he graduated? Anyway, so uh, Jim, I'm looking at. A, I'm, I'm checking a map right now. If you hold on, about ten seconds. Hold okay, on. hold on. While you look, while you look for that, while you look for that, let me throw this on. And make sure I want to hear the air, the air. That's a great song, funny song from 1970. Uh, that give you enough time to find uh, information about Blacksburg, Virginia, on Friday. Yes, but you're going to play the rest of that, right? Oh yeah, I'm going to wait till you okay. hang up though, so uh, you yeah. can enjoy so the low, it. Low, it's going to come close. Again, it could slightly change, but the earliest it could get here would be here would be Friday late afternoon and night. It could stay offshore, so if he's taking 95 down to uh, towards Virginia. There's a good chance that it could be east of him. So we'll, I'll have more tomorrow. But our, our okay. closest, after tonight, our next chance of rain is about late Friday or Friday night. Probably be out of Virginia by Saturday. So the game itself probably should be okay. Yeah, he's worried about we'll the drive. He's worried about the drive. So tomorrow, tomorrow, um, again, it wasn't fair to spring it on you late. Uh, tomorrow, uh, as an addendum to your weather report, uh, I'm sure Agent 6 and oodles of other listeners would love to get the weather conditions in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, for Friday afternoon and evening. Agent 6 writes, do you remember Michigas by Charles on WBCN? Yeah, that was like the morning game show. Dance the funky chicken if you lose. Mm. Okay. Um, oh! Go ahead. And speaking of the junk drawer... We did a whole show in the junk drawer back in 2017. Um, Agent 86 writes, Hey, Paul, I cleaned out my junk drawer and found a remote for a Roku TV I used to have. You can have it. I'll take it, Agent 86, because our remote control is still still encased in a bag of rice because whenever it gets wet or humid outside, it doesn't want to work. Uh, so we will do that. And when you take things out of the junk drawer, uh, one of three things happens. You either throw it away, very unlikely. Uh, you actually said, wow, I've been looking for this, and you start using it, even less likely. Or the third option, you throw it back in the junk drawer where it remains unused until you move. You know I have, this might be a good question to ask. I know, wasn't it with, uh, who was it like, in six years ago you were doing it, talking about that with? No, it was back in oh, wow, 2017, was it? Uh, Derek. Derek yeah, Mulhan, right. in the right, morning, Derek. pulled out his junk drawer, dumped it in a cardboard box, and we went through the contents on the air. And uh, Bert Buckley, may he rest in peace, uh, he called in uh, with a great call regarding the items in his junk drawer, including the fourth-grade report card for their child, uh, who was then a freshman in high school. <laughs> I, I, remember, I do remember that. I, brought, I just was thinking, I still have, it has to be probably... Because I like to look at magnified. I had a magnifying glass that was in a little case. Uh, I would say probably 1970 when I was about wow. nine years old. Wow. And I still have it. And I've carried it through everywhere I've had it. So that's probably the oldest thing that I still have. And it still works, although it has little scratches on it, from about a magnifying glass from 1970. So that's 53 years. Yeah. And I've still got the damn thing, and it still works. Yeah, and we found uh, one of Carol's in our junk drawer, one of Carol's mom's really, really, really nice old silver crucifix uh-oh wow uh-oh so we were trying to decide a beautiful silver crucifix in your junk drawer um is that blasphemy or as bert buckley said does that just mean your junk is blessed <laughs> actually i have i'm looking at a go one of the, when i got it my first communion 1968 christ on the cross it's like a okay. gold colored fake gold no and i still have it uh, christ on the cross from okay. 1968 
and I still have it. All right. And it's on the wall right here. Jim, it's uh, coming up to 1024. Okay, Time for okay. our 1015 anyway, break. The, the air is not clear now, but I want to hear the song. I think everyone else would, and we'll talk tomorrow. All right. Go get him, Jim. All right. Bye. There he goes, the amazing Jim Corbin. Jackie writes, of course, it goes back in the junk drawer. If you throw it away, you're guaranteed to need it within a week. Yeah, that's the truth. When you look in the junk drawer and you take something out of the junk drawer, only one of three things can happen. You throw it away, unlikely. You say, I've been looking for it, and you use it, even less likely. Or it goes back in the junk drawer until you move. But yeah, that has happened to all of us. You find something in the junk drawer. What is this crap doing here? You throw it out. You throw it out, and then son of a gun within a week. Oh, rats, I need that. I could use that. I knew I needed a stitch puller around here somewhere. Stitch ripper? Anyway, whatever you call them. Uh, we'll be right back after this on 1320 WAR. Yeah. We'll get back to that. Shell Silverstein, born on this day in 1930. What is wrong with a pause button? Rats. That time the pause button worked. Whoops. Here we go. One more Shell Silverstein poem. Just 34, 36 seconds. Melinda. Huh. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Ah. <sighs> All right. Welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, right here at 1320 WARA. All over... The world at WARARadio.com. Well, it's been a rare and beautiful morning for Agent 74. Uh, she's actually enjoyed some of the music we've played today. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, sadly, I think we're going to ruin that for you. Sorry, Agent 74. Rats. Uh, Agent 5 writes in, whoops. Such a nice stroll down BCN memory lane. Wow, the cosmic muffin. She wrote Magic Muffin, but she meant Daryl Martini, the Cosmic Muffin. <clears throat> a wise man rules the stars. A fool is ruled by them. And the reason he started saying that, I learned in the book I'm reading by uh, Aaron Carter, <clears throat> uh, who was a DJ at WBC. And the reason he had to add that at the end, that was the disclaimer. That was the disclaimer. So nobody could sue WBCN if they followed Daryl Martini's advice and ruined their life. Yeah. Uh, the Cosmic Muffin, Mishigash, Dwayne Glasscock. Wow. Uh, Oedipus, are you kidding me? Um, oh, and super happy birthday to your big brother. Yeah, yeah Mike, 75 years old today. I might have to call Mike. Uh, Jim Jones, if you're listening, I keep forgetting. If I want to make a uh, call from the phone here in the studio, do I have to dial 9 or not? Is that still a thing, having to dial 9 to get an outside line? Kind of like on Andy Griffith uh, when you had to crank the, something on the side of the phone and you had to get the operator to connect you to someone to call them and then the operator would listen, listen to your private conversations and then blab about it that night at the bingo parlor? Oh, gosh. Glad those days are over. So we just took a stroll down memory lane. Uh, and with apologies to Agent 5 and Agent 74, uh, I'm going to play a WFNX song, uh, the alternative station <clears throat> uh, that I actually started listening to instead of WBCN circa 1983 um, when I was in town. I lived in Miami until 
what, April or May of 85. And yeah, when I came back uh, from the mid-80s on, I was an FNX guy, no longer a uh, BCN guy. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, here's a song from Sam Phillips. Agent 42, I think you'll like this. This seems to be uh, within your taste. Uh, holding on to the earth. <clears throat> holding on to the earth. Interesting. Sam Phillips, let it rip. Any time now, Sam. She missed her cue. No stinking fade-outs for Sam Phillips. Holding on to the earth. Yeah. Okay, 508-222-1320 is the number to call in. Ah, you can text in at 774-287-6194 or email me at paul at wararadio.com. Oh, we have a remote correspondence here. Hey, Agent 01581 from my old hometown. Come on, phone. Come on. Come on, you rotten 4G flip. Uh-oh. Oh, Ooh, Agent uh, 01581 sent me a link to uh, click on, which isn't going to work on my 4G flip phone. You might have to email that to me. Uh, Paul at WARARadio.com. Paul at WARARadio.com. Good morning, Paul. In celebration of your brother Michael's 75th birthday, it's only fitting that we roll out the three tenors. <laughs> that might be fitting for Carol's birthday. Uh, <clears throat> all right, it's the Three Stooges to appropriately serenade him with this tune. Rats. Can you email that to me? Agent 01581 Paul at WARARadio.com. Um, yeah. I, uh, last week we played. Um, Oh, Elaine, come out, oh, please come out. Time is short. The guards are lurking about. Your Cedric's here. No kidding. Cedric's here. Yeah. Uh, and now I forgot where I was going to go next. Oh, page one of today's Sun Chronicle. Uh, there's Paul Waters, who uh, we had in here on Friday. Uh, Paul, his sister Mary, his brother Joel. Uh, so we're not going to read the whole article, just the first part, uh, because George Rhodes of the Sun Chronicle covered a few things I should have, but we're having too much fun during the interview. Rats. Uh, Paul Waters finally trudged into the city on September 15th. He said he averaged about 10 miles a day since he left Key Largo in Florida on January 29th in his quest to raise funds for multiple charities, uh, including suicide prevention. He lost uh, his son to that, who was in his early 20s. How sad. The Attleboro High grad and U.S. Air Force veteran, uh, has covered 1,574 miles in nearly nine months. He's got 26 miles to go. And that 26 miles will come on a famous route on September 30th. Oh, I think uh, 01581 just emailed that link. There it is. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, but up, but up, but up, but up, but um. On September 30th, he plans to walk the Boston Marathon route. Oh, oh, what an outstanding uh, selection uh, for my brother Mike's birthday to play in his honor. And remember, folks, <clears throat> if your cake collapses, 
please, please uh, don't try to um, fix, fix the recipe by injecting gas into said cake. But that's a different topic. Um, on September 30th, Paul Waters plans to walk the Boston Marathon route from Hopkinton to Boston, a total of 26.2 miles, which will bring him to 1,600.2 miles. He's been walking for a cause. Waters lost his son, Paul David Waters Jr., uh, 36, to suicide last year. Wow. Wow. So anyway, the article, the whole thing um, is in the Sun Chronicle. It covers all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> we didn't when he was here on this show because we were having too much fun. Ah, yeah. In honor of uh, my big brother Mike's 75th birthday. Standing submission. Outstanding submission. Thanks, Mike. Agent 01581. Ah, Wow, that's good. Where are we? 508-222-1320 is Lurt Number. 508-222-1320 is the number. Get rid of that. Um, nah, we could cover this, but uh, that's a little bit serious. <clears throat> oh, by the way, Agent 5, I've made a decision. Uh, we used to start every show uh, with uh, Frank Sinatra's Satisfy Me One More Time. Because uh, it's a toe-tapping swinger, and even more offensive than Baby, It's Cold Outside. Uh, you never liked that song, because your mother taught you to never like Frank Sinatra, because he was wrapped up with a mob. <clears throat> like, uh, well, every entertainer <clears throat> uh, was. Not every, but every entertainer from New Jersey was uh, back in the day. Not to mention anyone who had anything to do with boxing. Uh, so we haven't played it the last couple weeks. Um, Agent 5, uh, without specifics, uh, is uh, in, a, in a bit of a conundrum, in a bit of a uh, tough situation. And we would appreciate it if you would send all the positive thoughts you could to Agent 5. Uh, so I've decided, Agent 5, uh, that I will not play the Frank Sinatra Satisfy Me One More Song every Friday morning uh, unless and until your difficulties are resolved. And uh, then, uh, and only then, will we bring that song back. Uh, but while you're going through uh, these difficult times, uh, you don't need me putting you in a bad mood every Friday morning playing uh, that uh, Frank Sinatra song. Uh, we'll start with a comic song every Friday, but uh, not that one. 508-222-1320. On this day in 1919, President Woodrow Wilson collapsed after a speech in Pueblo, Colorado during a national speaking tour in support of the Treaty of Versailles, uh, which would end World War I on November 11th. Uh, and uh, so it was as of this day in 2019 that we got our first female president in this country. The history books tell us uh, there's never been a female president of this country, when in fact there have been two. Two, I tell you. Edith Galt Wilson... Uh, Woodrow's wife, who I think he married in the White House, uh, she took over as president. Uh, Woodrow was, uh, sadly, um, post-stroke, uh, very, very close to, um, well, <clears throat> completely out of it. Um, and back then, before the interweb, before the intrusive media, uh, you could actually keep stuff like that secret. Imagine that. And Edith Galt Wilson did. And uh, she ran things. She ran things until the end of his presidential term. Huh. And, of course, our second uh, female president was Nancy Reagan. And speaking of uh, Daryl Martini, the Cosmic Muffin, yes, um, uh, Ronald uh, Reagan, uh, in his second term, heck, after he survived an assassination attempt, 
um, uh, let's just say had lost a few steps, a lot of steps. And it was uh, Nancy Reagan uh, and her astrologer who actually ran the second half of the second term of the Ronald Reagan administration. So please, we've had two, two female presidents, I tell you. Not that anyone would vote for them, but we've had them. Rats, Agent 6, maybe you can start every show with 20 minutes of bird sounds. Larry Bird? <clears throat> By the way, um, uh, the HBO show Winning Time about the uh, Los Angeles Lakers... Uh, which I refused to watch because they made Jerry West look like a stumbling, incompetent drunk, which he was not, um, was canceled after two seasons. It was supposed to go for five, six, seven seasons and uh, uh, trace the history of uh, our own Agent 19, Mark Ambrose's beloved Los Angeles Lakers, um, from Magic Johnson's rookie year uh, all the way through at least until they had to retire the first time um, after um, contracting AIDS. Uh, well, no. They pulled the plug after two seasons at HBO because uh, the show had uh, not enough viewers and it was too expensive to produce. And so the uh, winning time, supposed to be about the glory of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, the last episode featured the Boston Celtics whipping them. They whipped them, Pa, in the 1984 NBA Finals. That's ironical. A show that was supposed to glorify the Lakers ends up glorifying the Celtics. Take that, Mark Ambrose. Why, I oughta. Uh, maybe you can start every show with 20 minutes of bird sounds. Yes, and gardening tips. Um, agent, uh, oh, Jackie uh, Romanicki. L-O-L. Oh, rats. Oh, shoot, I didn't think of that. Jackie writes, laugh out loud. Now, Agent 5 will never admit when issue is solved. Ah, oh, rats. Rats. Yeah, now Agent 5, she might lie to us. She might resolve uh, her situation to her satisfaction, but keep her mouth shut about it just so she doesn't have to hear Frank Sinatra sing Satisfy Me one more time in a song more offensive than Baby It's Cold Outside. Wow. Agent 8. Maybe 20 minutes of Charlie Parker. Oh, yeah. That'd be better radio than 20 minutes of Larry Bird. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my, son, uh, my buddy Eugene, who is, as far as you know, the greatest saxophone player in the world. Thank you, Mr. McManus, Westboro High School band leader in the uh, mid-'70s. Uh, he's been on, us uh, with, on, on with us before, lives in Dallas, plays with a bunch of bands, still teaches makes a living playing his saxophone. Uh, he named his son Parker. Yes, Parker Cantera, after his love and devotion uh, for Charlie Parker, the bird. And his son thanked him, not by growing up to become a musician, but channeling his inner Agent 86, uh, Parker, Eugene's son, is now a big fancy schmancy chef. Huh, Eugene didn't see that coming. We'll be right back after this on... 1320 W-A-R. A. Um, we've been, uh, Shel Silverstein, born on this day in 1930, for those who joined us late and wondering what these weird poems are 
that I've been playing. Uh, Shel Silverstein, poet, songwriter, <clears throat> cartoonist, especially for Playboy magazine, screenwriter and author of child, uh, books for youths, none of which were banned, born on this day in 1930. Uh, his book, uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends, recited, sung, and shouted by Shel Silverstein. Uh, my kids, when they were little, loved, loved that book. Uh, so I've been playing poems uh, from Shel Silverstein's When the Sidewalk Ends. Uh, Shel Silverstein uh, passed away in May of 1999. Uh, here's one uh, called uh, Sick. Not to be confused with the great Cheech and Chong skit. I'm not going to school. Why not? I got an earache. Earache? Earache my eye. Uh, here's a different reason <clears throat> to not want to go to school. <laughs> Funny, the kid never mentioned having an earache. Hmm. Hmm. Don't drive. Way to go, Alex Sawyer. Ow. Welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. How come the liners aren't in the computer anymore? Oh, well. Um, yeah. Who's going to do next? Oh, here it is. Sorry. Little brain fart there. Not as bad as the dog farting throughout the 13-hour flight that couple was on, but that's a different story. Um, on this day in 2017, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performed what would be their final show at the Hollywood Bowl. This concert, which concluded the band's 40th anniversary reunion tour, ended with American Girl, Petty passed away a week later, just 66 years old. Wow. Wow. Uh, we, could, we could play American Girl, but that's going to be played four or five times today on 105, 105.7 uh, up the FM dial. Um, so uh, we'll play this song by uh, Tom Petty because, uh, well, when this show is good, it's very, very good. When it's bad, it's utter drivel, and it might wreck you. Oh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <clears throat> Apologies to Comrade Joe from Seacock. Never, he wasn't a Tom Petty fan. Rats. All right, got to read this remote correspondence from Agent 5. And then, uh, then I got to call my big brother Michael and wish him a happy birthday if he answers the phone. Oh, Agent 5 writes, I truly appreciate that, Paul, that I'm not playing. Uh, you satisfy me one more time by uh, Frank Sinatra, because the last thing Agent 5 needs is to be put in a bad mood at about 9.05 every Friday morning. I truly appreciate that, Paul. That's very thoughtful of you. Don't listen to Ms. Romanicki. Of course I'll let you know when the issue is resolved, Paul. Jeez, jeez. Yes, we're not questioning your integrity, Agent 5, even though we just questioned your integrity. Rats. I, I just noticed it's almost 11 o'clock, so I guess we'll wait till after the 11 a.m. break to try to give my big brother Michael a call. All right, 508-222-1320 is Lert Number. 508-222-1320. Well, golly, golly, golly. On this day in 1964, the sitcom Gomer Pyle USMC, starring Jim Neighbors, uh, premiered on CBS. Wow. And again, uh, Lowell George from Little Feet, one of Agent 5's favorite bands, uh, not only did he appear as the lead singer, frontman, and driver of the Winnebago of the Bedbugs in an F Troop episode, circa 1965 or 66, 
um, Lowell George also appeared in a Gomer Pyle USMC episode leading a band where a bunch of Utes uh, were dancing and shaking their hips to some rock and roll music. Huh. 508-222-1320. For fans of a certain age, excuse me, for male and lesbian fans of a certain age uh, who look forward to the Sports Illustrated arriving in the mailbox every Thursday afternoon, uh, never more so uh, then the second or third week in February, when they'd have their swimsuit issue, because back in those days, nothing was going on in the sports world in February. It was the dead zone, the doldrums of the NBA and NHL seasons. Uh, no football, no baseball. Uh, so they had the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, uh, where some very, very, very lovely young women would almost, almost be wearing Tiny little microscopic bikinis, <clears throat> followed the next week by the angry letters from the nuns at Catholic elementary schools canceling, canceling their subscription to Sports Illustrated because they didn't want to expose uh, their young, gifted Catholic students to pornography. In honor of that, Cheryl Teagues, 76 years old today. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. <clears throat> Cheryl Teagues, are you kidding me? Uh, she and Kathy Ireland were always my favorites. Pardon me? Oh, yes. Yes, I remember that tiny, tiny little blue bikini on Kathy Ireland. And yes, there was Cheryl Teagues. Cheryl Teagues on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I believe. Uh, wearing the white mesh, mesh, I tell you, bathing suit. Yes, that was the era when a lot of football teams wore those mesh jerseys as well. But uh, yeah, uh, Cheryl Teagues in a white Mesh, see-through, why bother, bathing suit. I want to thank Cheryl Teagues. I want to thank Sports Illustrated. I want to thank Time Life uh, Publishing, who owned it at the time. Um, yes, that was a gift to every young man and lesbian uh, ever born. Hold on, I need a minute. I'm proclaimed. <sighs> we'll be right back after this on 1320 W-A-R. Oh, boy. Hey, oh, rats, Mike didn't answer the phone. Mike didn't answer the phone. I told him to call us or I'll disown him. All right, welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Hey, uh, we're going to be here, wow, for about uh, 56 more minutes at 12 noon. It's Amy Goodman with Democracy Now!, a far more realistic look at what really goes on in the real world from a real left-wing perspective uh, with Amy Goodman, brilliant, brilliant journalist, uh, who has never smiled, not once in her life, ever. Come on, Amy, lighten up! Anyway, 508-222-1320 is Lert Number. We read that story. 508-222-1320. Uh, let's go a different direction. Uh, Dave Allen. Anyone remember him? I hadn't thought of Dave Allen in at least, I don't know, 20 years, maybe. British comedian... Uh, who used to sit on stage. He would sit comfortably in a chair, uh, always well-dressed, suit and tie, up across to Brit, as it were, um, and tell very dry, dry, humorous stories. Um, Irish, I just said British, excuse me, excuse me, I'm going to need a bigger bell. British, British comedian, Irish comedian. Uh, if any uh, relatives, descendants, fans of Dave Allen are listening, please... Please find a way to forgive me somehow after referring to Dave Allen as being British. 
I don't know if he's dead or not, but that would make him roll over in his grave. He was Irish, but upper crust Irish. Uh, Lace curtain Irish, as it were. Uh, Here's Dave Allen uh, sharing some uh, religious jokes. Ah, yes, Dave Allen, Irish comedian. Yeah! It's a bloody nun out there again. 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. This might be a momentum breaker. Um... Let's see. America embraces prenups. 50% of adults are open to signing them. Woo. Woo. Yeah. You know what? I don't want That's not the story I wanted. Click on this. Where is it? No, no, I'll find it. I said I'll find it. I'm not finding it. Ah. Hold on. Da, 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 da. Yeah, da, 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 da. Um, uh, City Councilor Tavares, is that tomorrow he's on with Dominic? He's on with uh, Dominic uh, tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if he's a fan of book banning, but a lot of his supporters are. Um, and he's a uh, homeschool guy. Five kids, five Utes, I tell you. Not when I'm benevolent, Czar. Nobody's having five kids uh, when overpopulation is a huge problem facing mankind. Um, but I've never been a fan of a homeschool. Homeschool. What, you're that much of a religious nut, or you think you're that kid is gifted and that special that public school will ruin him? And I, I just, and again, this is completely anecdotal evidence, completely anecdotal evidence, uh, which basically is Latin for, that's not really evidence. Uh, but my son Cam had two buddies, two friends, great kids, smart kids. Uh, who were homeschooled growing up, uh, both talented musicians actually, and uh, way wicked, way wicked good kids. Trust them with my life. Uh, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, they both shared this in common. And again, it's just two out of how many billion people are on planet Earth. Uh, but they were both completely and totally unable to handle any kind of uh, criticism or constructive criticism of any kind. They would completely shut down. Because they never experienced that growing up, being homeschooled. Again, that's anecdotal evidence. There's no studies behind that. But I did find this from the STEM Education Guide site. And uh, Jackie, as the greatest teacher in the history of Norton Public Schools, maybe you might want to chime in on this. Anyone else can. Uh, homeschooling's dark side. Ten reasons critics can't stand it. This is written by Crystal DeVille. Uh, Homeschooling is a popular alternative to traditional education for parents who want more control over their children's education or parents who think their kids are just too gifted and just too special to be like the riffraff, the (laughs) normal children who attend public schools. However, it's been debated for many years with some people looking down on homeschooling parents, and by some people they mean me. And students, after a mother asked online an online parenting forum for honest reasons, these are what people confessed. Uh, again, reasons, ten reasons critics can't stand homeschooling. The dark side. Couple of remote correspondents first. I love Dave Allen. Yeah, I got a bunch of Dave Allen stuff. Uh, that we're going to be sprinkling into the show uh, over the next few days. Um, we talk a lot about how uh, there are two categories in life when you're younger, things you know and things you don't know. That's it. 
Now when you get old enough, like us, and you don't have any cartilage, and you have nose hair and ear hair and man boobs, there are three categories of life. Things you know, things you don't know, and things you used to know, but you've forgotten or fell out of your brain or stuck, stuck somewhere in the crevices and cracks of your brain that's full of bong resonant beer hops. Um, but yeah, I, my brother-in-law, John Lowbridge, who's British, not Irish, uh, but he introduced me to Dave Allen decades ago, and he, I completely forgot about him. But we're going to be playing some Dave Allen stuff. Pardon me? No, I don't know if Dave Allen was homeschooled, but I get your point. We should get back to the topic. Yeah, uh, limited socialization opportunities. Oh, hold on. I didn't read Agent 86 text. Sorry. What time is it? Whoops. Click on this. There we go. Okay. I loved Dave Allen. I used to watch him. The two Ronnies. Monty Python. Are you being served... And keeping up appearances when I was in seventh grade. Loved PBS for having the Nads to play those risque shows. Yes, the Nads, the Stones, the intestinal fortitude, as it were. Uh, Politically risque to socially risque. Oh, you know what that means. He'd be banned today. Speaking of things uh, I'd ban when I become benevolent czar, homeschooling. Uh, Limited socialization opportunities. According to several thread contributors, homeschooled children may not have as many opportunities to socialize with their peers. For example, a parent stressed the importance of socialization and pointed out that it's much more challenging to make friends if youths aren't around other youths during the day. A second suggested that socializing is essential to a child's learning and development, and the reason they suggest that is because socializing is essential to a child's learning and development, and that homeschooling may not be the right environment to foster those traits. Oh, oh, but if I send them to regular school, they won't be immersed in my religious beliefs at all times. In fact, they won't be exposed to any ideas I disagree with. Number two, lack of diversity. Limited exposure to diversity is another reason people look down on homeschooling. Homeschooling parents may not have the resources or inclination to expose their youths to people from different backgrounds and cultures. An individual sarcastically commented that homeschooling is excellent for parents who want their children to grow up in a bubble without any real-world experience. And I just want to say, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some homeschooling parents out there, at least two or three, uh, in the country who actually do get it right and their kids are better off. I'm sure of it. I've just never met one. Number three, poor quality of education, maybe. The quality of education that homeschool youths receive garnered concern. For example, someone revealed that many homeschool children they have met severely lack basic science and math skills. Okay, um, I was mentioning my son's two buddies who were homeschooled. Uh, trust me, uh, they were both very good in math and science. It was taking any criticism whatsoever they would completely shut down. Oh, well. Another noted that homeschooling parents might not have the expertise or resources to teach specific subjects efficiently. You know, physics, chemistry. Yeah. Lack of accountability. By the way, if you're homeschooled, should you get to play on varsity sports at the local high school? My first instinct is no. But then the more I think of it, if you're going to say homeschooling, 
uh, keeps kids from being involved with other kids, well, playing sports or being in theater or joining any social um, extracurricular club uh, is a good way to get exposure. So even though I think you're kind of cheating, <laughs> uh, you're not going to that school. All right, when I'm benevolence are, they can still play sports or other extracurricular activities at their local school. Lack of accountability. Homeschooling is often subject to less oversight than traditional schooling, except for the pastor. As a result, concerned parents express that homeschooling parents may not be held accountable for the quality of the education their youths receive. One such person asked, who ensures the kids learn what they need to know? Number five, sheltered upbringing. Homeschooled youths may not be exposed to certain aspects of the world that traditional schooling provides. Several worry that this sheltered upbringing could limit, limit a child's perspective and leave them unprepared for the real world or to accept constructive criticism. One even suggested that homeschooling can create sheltered, naive, and socially awkward individuals. Uh, here's the one. Religious indoctrination. Yep, over 4,800 religions in the world. 4,800. But the religion I believe in, you know, the one I was born into, that's the only one that really matters. And me and members of my religion are the only ones who'll be saved, who'll be saved when Armageddon comes. <laughs> Often homeschooling parents choose to teach their youths from a religious perspective. While this is a parental choice, several users express concern that it can lead to religious indoctrination. Many in the threat imply that homeschooling could be used to indoctrinate children with religious beliefs, there's a giant Santa Claus in the sky, that may not be based in reality, lack of extracurricular activities. Um, I'll leave the name out, but there's a family in Attleboro uh, who homeschools their kids. And um, I will say, um, both parents are way wicked smart. And they're probably on this end of the spectrum of good homeschooling parents. Uh, get, they get their kids involved in all kinds of extracurricular activities uh, at the middle school and high school. Um, and we'll move on from that. Number eight, lack of critical thinking skills. And again, this depends on who's doing the teaching. Did I have a song ready to go? I forget all this time. I lost the place. I Here it is. Uh, have you met someone who lacked critical thinking skills? One believed homeschooling might be great for rote memorization, but will not necessarily teach youths to think critically. Others agreed, stating that critical thinking is essential for success in many areas of life. The amazing Jim Corbin checks in. Ha! <laughs> Very good, Jim. Homeschooling, a bigger hit since COVID. I've driven with about five kids or youths in the last year that home school. And then Jim writes, homeschool extracurriculars, online virtual video games. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's get through this list quick because we're spending more time on it than I wanted to. Overprotective parenting. Do you think that homeschooling may be a sign of overprotective parenting? Many do. You know, and by many, they mean people like me. One alleged that homeschooling is often done by a parent who intend to shelter their youths from the world as a means of control. 
Another added that sheltering could limit a child's ability to grow and develop independently. Finally, the last one, lack of preparedness for the real world. And this is what I saw with my uh, son's two friends who were both homeschooled, who, by the way, um, are both both uh, functional adults now. Heck, they're parents themselves and doing quite well. Neither one's homeschooling their kids. Um, so again, there are, there are far worse things to do to screw your kids up than homeschool them. <clears throat> Heck, having me raise them might be worse. I don't know. Um, but it's just, I don't know, not my cup of tea. Last one. Did I have a song ready? Okay, there we go. Um, lack of preparedness for the real world. Finally, several thread contributors suggested that homeschool youths may be unprepared for the real world. They believe that homeschooled children can struggle to adapt to the demands of college or the workplace. Some have. Others have thrived. Others chimed in, stating that traditional schooling provides youths with the skills and experiences they need to be successful in the real world. It also teaches kids how to overcome noogies, wedgies, and being made fun of during recess, which we don't endorse noogies or wedgies or making fun of kids at recess, but knowing how to deal with noogies and wedgies and being made fun of at recess is a way wicked important life skill. Whoops, let me restart that. Barbara Walters was born on this day some year uh, in history. I missed the beginning of that. That was a bad edit. Uh, let's do a, another poem from uh, Shel Silverstein, his great book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Uh, my kids had oodles of these poems memorized when they were youths. Uh, Shel Silverstein, born on this day in 1930. <laughs> <laughs> Their ribs stick out. All right, welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Ah, oh, rats, not there. Over here. Where did I put it? Where did I put it? Um, our uh, aliens that our friends in Mexico discovered, that I guess from Peru. Whoops. Um, the aliens that our friends from Mexico are claiming are real. Ah, oh, where did I put the story? In the et cetera section. Okay. Uh, well, we've got even more news. More news. Uh, One, they found these aliens. Uh, Two, they were trying to tell us that one of them is still alive uh, under the heading of, but wait, there's more. Uh, From the IFL Science uh, website, I think this is a science about the indoor football league. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, James Felton. Uh, Now, now they're claiming the alien mummies were alive and filled with eggs. Eggs, I tell you. After CAT scans, the mummified alien story somehow has gotten even stupider, writes James Felton. 
who obviously wasn't a fan of the X-Files. In an incredible achievement, previously not thought possible, the story of the mummified aliens that have been found in mines in the city of Cusco, Peru, has gotten even stupider. Last week, people were baffled as journalist and UFO researcher Jamie, oh, I'm sorry, uh, that's the Spanish spelling, uh, Jamie Mossan presented the aliens to the Mexican Congress, claiming that they were a thousand years old. The objects looking suspiciously not unlike E.T. from the film, what was that called? Oh, yeah, E.T., have since been sent for scans by a forensic doctor with the Navy, uh, Jose de Jesus Salis Benitez, according to the BBC. Don't do Spanish accents, Paul. It's racist. Ah, shut up. If the subject is Spanish, I'm doing the Spanish accent. Next topic. According to the doctors who examined it, Using CAT scans and x-rays, the bodies have a single skeleton that has not been joined to other pieces, and each was a complete organic being. That's actually the least bizarre of the claims. We have reached the abdomen, where if we observe these pieces that look like or could be eggs, we are once again faced with a body that, if it had been modified post-mortem, would have a series of alterations that would be visible in these studies, Benitez, an associate of Mawson, uh, said during the examination, according to InfoBay, I-N-F-O-B-A-E. Not having found any of these postmodern characteristics, we are determining that it is an organism that was alive, was intact, was biological, and was in gestation, i.e. pregnant. Prego, as it were. That's right. The alien was alive and filled with eggs. So what do we make of this? Unsurprisingly, we're coming down on the side of heavy skepticism with a side order of you absolutely sure it's not a dog. All right, I'm not as skeptical as they are. Then again, for about four or five years of my life, I was actually hooked, hooked on the ancient aliens show. Maybe it was that Greek guy's haircut. I don't know. Ah, people have, of course, been skeptical about the <laughs> aliens since they were presented publicly last week. NASA scientist David Spergel responded to the latest claims asking why the two would not make their data samples available for examination by the public. You know, a peer review, which is basic in science. Mossman has presented aliens to the public before, notably in 2015. He showed one that turned out to be the mummified corpse of a human child that had undergone artificial cranial deformation. In 2018, he found another batch of <clears throat> aliens. This time, there is a less macabre explanation, but only slightly. The safest candidate to be the material on which the mummy was made is a canid, C-A-N-I-D. Researchers from the Institute of Legal Medicine and Forensic Science of the Public Ministry told Radio Capital, what does that mean? To carve this elongated head, they had to remove the snout and all the teeth. A fake skin was put on over that. While there's the slimmest of outside chances that alien hunter, the alien hunter who has presented several non-aliens as aliens, has gone and stumbled across an actual alien, 
we'd be skeptical until independent scientists have examined it and presented it in a, here it is, peer-reviewed publication, proving it isn't a child or a dog. All right, I kind of fell for that one a little bit. Rats. 508-222-1320 is Lurt Number. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers had their last performance ever on this date in 19, I'm sorry, in 2007. Uh, was their final show at the Hollywood Bowl, which concluded the band's 40th anniversary reunion tour. It ended with American Girls, so we're playing different songs. Petty passed away just a week later at age 66. I think this song was on his very first album. Um, And I could be wrong. We all have different opinions. Uh, This is my all-time favorite, all-time favorite Tom Petty song. Yeah. Whoops. Swing and a miss. That's not it. Uh, As Paul Harvey might say, take two. This is my all-time favorite Tom Petty song. Yeah. Ah, rats. I missed a bunch of remote correspondence. I asked people to send in remote correspondence regarding the homeschooling story and then never looked at my phone. Idiot. (sighs) The amazing Jim Corbin, who has given driving lessons to homeschooled youths, writes... I have noticed homeschool kids either were rich with nice, nice houses, those ridiculously oversized uh, McMansions, or were rather shy and difficult to talk to. Huh. Huh. And again, this is anecdotal evidence, which is Latin for, that's not really evidence, but oh well. Um... And then the greatest uh, public school teacher in the history of Norton Public Schools writes. If homeschooled, they might hear your show. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Again, I'm not a fan of homeschooling, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that listening to this show while being homeschooled improves the situation. Rats. Um, Yeah, thank you, Jackie. That's clouding the issue with logic, though, don't you think? If homeschooled, they might hear your show. Or the parents might be busy homeschooling, so busy homeschooling that they don't hear your show. Personally, I never would, could have homeschooled my kids, or utes. We'll never forget how my son, then seventh grade, insisted his science teacher knew the assigned topic better than I did. Ooh, ooh, that's going to hurt. Of course, she was using the same text I used. I had taught her children, and I had been teaching seventh grade as long as she, as long as she had. Yeah, but you were just the mom, Jackie. You were just the mom. You couldn't possibly be as smart as the teacher. Agent 42. By the way, Agent 42, what'd you think of the Sam Phillips song? Trying to hold on to the earth. I don't know. Um, You've liked some of the Boston, uh, I was going to say girl band, female band stuff I've played in the past, Throwing Muses, Letters Cleo, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I think the remains are mummified, mummified bodies 
of Bilbo Baggins. There it is. Now, in that four or five years where I went down the uh, ancient aliens wormhole, I would have said, yes, yes, that could be true. They could be the mummified body of Bilbo Baggins. And then Carol would have reminded me, um, Paul, yes, Bilbo Baggins is a fictional character uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Rats. Oh! Oh, get away from me. Listen to her heart. Tom Petty and the heart breakers. Uh, in climate change news, flamingos. <clears throat> no, not the flamingos, Carol. Uh, uh, put on their uh, balcony to, well, as a protest against the HOAs, their homeowners associations ban, ban on putting pl- pink flamingos in your yard. Yeah, they read the bylaws very carefully. Didn't say anything about not putting putting them on your porch. Uh, So just Carol and her then-husband as uh, their way of saying, hey, homeowners association, we hate your guts with a burning passion. They put about 12, was it eight? Eight to 12 flamingos on their porch balcony, as it were. Uh, Flamingos in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, I tell you? Tropical birds. And um, for those who aren't up on their geography or science. Uh, Wisconsin is not a tropical climate. <clears throat> yeah. Flamingos in Wisconsin. Tropical birds visit Lake, Lake Michigan Beach in a first for the northern state. Five flamingos that showed up in Wisconsin to wade along a Lake Michigan beach attracted a huge crowd of onlookers eager to see the unusual visitors venturing far from the usual Tropical setting. Imagine them. Imagine the poor flamingos. What kind of conversations are they having? Where the hell are the bananas? Who stole the palm trees? Huh. Where are the dolphins? Where's that long bridge to the Florida Keys? What's going on here? And then another flamingo said, in the words of the great Bugs Bunny, I knew. Oh. Oh, that's right. I knew, I knew we should have taken a left at Albuquerque. Or is this where the bus to Altoona stops? Yeah. The American flamingos spotted Friday in Port Washington, about 25 miles or 40 kilometers north of Ala Forsaken, Milwaukee, marked the first sighting of the species in Wisconsin state history, said Mark Corducky, a member of the Wisconsin Society for Ornithology. The uh, reported by the Milwaukee Journal. The birds stood quietly 25 feet, 7.6 meters, off Lake Michigan's western shoreline as waves lapped against their thin legs. Who wants the woman with the skinny legs? <clears throat> Who did that song? Uh, three were adults identifiable by their pink plumage. Two were utes clad in gray. Jim Edel- Edelhuber of Waukesha was among the crowd of about 75 bird enthusiasts drawn to the city's South Beach after word spread on social media about the flamingos' appearance there. Um, We should do a comparison someday, a deep dive into the differences between South Beach, Miami and South Beach, Wisconsin. Yeah. Agent 42 
The alien bodies are hobbit-sized. That's gotta mean something. Yeah. I think they're the remains. Uh, they are the mummified bodies of Bilbo Baggins. They are about hobbit-sized. That's gotta mean something, writes Agent 42. Agent 86. But don't flamingos denote that you're a swinger? That's only trailer parks. <laughs> Boy, I almost said something terrible. <clears throat> it's tough to be a swinger when you're not even knocking knees with your spouse, you know what I mean? But anyway, uh, don't those flamingos denote that you're swingers only in trailer parks, Agent 86, your area of expertise? You probably don't need 10 to 12 to get the point across. L-L-O-L. Yeah. Uh, Hold on here. 774-287-6194 is the number to text in. You can call 508-222-1320. Good morning. Oh, you hung up. Why'd you hang up? It's funny how they don't answer the question, why'd you hang up, after they already hung up. Maybe they didn't hear the question. Where was I? All right, let's get rid of that. We're already up to 11.44. Uh, we got one more break to go. Uh, one semi-serious story to go today, but I think we can make it entertaining. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, when? When? When should a, uh, a proud, highly decorated American general be executed? Huh. We'll have to turn to a Trump supporter to get the answer to that question. No stinking... Don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me, Dave Angel's daughter. No stinking fade-outs when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are singing the greatest song they ever produced. Now, where were you? Ah. Uh, Excuse me. Back to Dave Allen. Um... Under the subsetting religious jokes. Whoops. Whoops. Hold on. You weren't supposed to hear dead air. Where is it? You were supposed to hear this. We were talking about flamingos having skinny legs. We got a song from Joe Tex ready to go. Uh, Agent 42. Can it be Michael Flynn? Yeah. Is he the general? That a Republican politician wants executed? No. It is not Michael Flynn, but you're right. Michael Flynn is a skinny skull, a skinny skull from Rhodey. Uh, we'll get to that story in just a second. Uh, here's Joe Tex singing about skinny legs. Yeah, skinny legs and all. Joe Tex. Uh, let's get this story in. By the way, we might have a hiccup. We might have a hiccup in the system regarding our coverage of the soccer game today. <clears throat> yeah. Going to talk to that, Mr. Jones about that uh, after the show. Anyway, from the Mediate website, story by Ken Meyer, Republican congressman calls for General Mark Milley to be executed in shockingly homophobic screed. Wow. Yep, another Bible thumper who goes out of his way to do the opposite of what Jesus would do at every opportunity. And again, Paul Gozer, the Republican from Arizona, He's the one who uh, every single other member of his family contributed money to make an ad telling people from Arizona not to vote for their brother. 
But voters in Arizona are just that stupid and or evil. They voted for him. Wow. Agent 5, thanks for the Tom Petty tunes. Made this dreary Monday morning while being sick tolerable. Oh, good, Agent 5. Uh, good. Representative Paul Gozer, Republican from Arizona, went on a homophobic tirade, the only tirade he knows how to go on, against General Mark Milley, who's not gay, in a screed demanding that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff be put to death. <clears throat> yes, because he's a worshiper of the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Yeah. Gozar's congressional office released a newsletter on Sunday which claimed that the FBI, the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, and other federal agencies allowed the U.S. Capitol to be attacked by the orange pile of excrements rioting supporters on January 6th. From there, the newsletter went into blatantly homophobic terms as it blasted Milley for speaking with Nancy Pelosi after the riot, agreeing with her that he... He, our 45th president, the aforementioned orange pile of excrement, uh, was, quote, crazy, end quote. And the reason they called him, quote, crazy, end quote, is because he's completely, completely bat poop, quote, crazy, end quote. And assuring the former House Speaker that he would not be able to seize control of America's nuclear arsenal during his last days in office. Here's what Gozer's newsletter had to say about the general, including the call for him to be hanged. Gozer. Is that the part that Rick Moranis played uh, when the um, ghosts and ghostbusters invaded his body? Or was he the key master looking for Gozer? I don't know. After the riot was in full swing, this is what Gozer's newsletter wrote. After the riot was in full swing, the chief's request for National Guard was finally approved. But even after the approval was given, General Milley, the homosexual promoting BLM, Black Lives Matter, because they do, activist, chairman of the military joint chiefs, delayed. Really? Really? The orange pile of excrement sat in his fat, fleshy hindquarters for three and a half to four hours doing nothing while the riot was going on. And you're accusing someone else of delaying? But again, that's just how stupid and or evil you have to be to still, still be a supporter of him. And hanging the uh, General Milley, the chief of staff. Of course, we now know that the deviant Milley, or General Miley, was coordinating with Nancy Pelosi, funded by George Soros, to hurt President him and treasonously working behind his back. In a better society, quizlings like the strange sodomy-promoting General Milley would be hung. He had, no, he had one boss, President, I hate to use the name, the 45th president. He had one boss, the president, and instead he was secretly meeting with Pelosi and coordinating with her to hurt him. That is, when he wasn't also secretly coordinating and sharing intelligence with the Chinese military. How's this how this traitor remains in office is a question we need answered. The Gozer newsletter echoes a truth social rant, the orange pile of excrement, put out two days ago, wherein the ex-president said Milley deserved capital punishment for his attempts to de-escalate. 
Chinese fears that he was going to start a war against them. The post-Republican congressman calls for General Milley. Whoops. Oh, sorry. That's for a different article. Oh, that's it. That's the end of the article. Good. Thank heavens. That's enough. Unbelievable. Unbelievable just how stupid. And in his case, and evil. You have to be to still, still be a supporter of him. You know, I'm starting to think that Joe Tex is a skinny leg aphobic. A skinny leg aphobic. Wow. Wow. Where are we here? Da 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 da. Yeah da 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 da. I'm trying to get one more Shell Silverstein poem uh, from uh, his great book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. But up, but up, but up, but up, but um. Nope, you know what? Instead, we'll do one final uh, Dave Allen uh, joke. Yeah. Coming up to uh, 11.56, almost 11.57. Uh, 508-222-1320, but we're almost out of here. A couple of remote correspondents. Agent 42. I don't believe generals are in charge of the National Guard, accurately writes Agent 42 who obviously remembers something from history and civics classes. You're right. Generals aren't in charge of the National Guard. Uh, It's governors, right? Governors are in charge of the National Guard, Um, which is knowing something about history and civics, which is why Agent 42 could never be stupid enough or evil enough to support him. Sadly, the way so many millions of stupid and evil Americans are. Uh, I don't believe generals are in charge of the National Guard. Aren't they under orders of governors unless they are federalized by the president? Yes. Yes. And then Agent 5. Ha ha. Ha ha. He, Rick Moranis, was the key master. I think Sigourney Weaver was the other gatekeeper. Wasn't Gozer the dark goddess? There you go. We got our facts straight now. Almost. Wow. 508-222-1320 is Lur Number. Uh, we don't have enough time for this. Rats. I was going to play uh, Crocodile's Toothache by Shel Silverstein. Uh, didn't have time to get to that. Uh, we'll play this once more in honor of my big brother Mike. Going to leave a mark. Yeah. Uh, Agent 01581, uh, who watched my big brother Mike play uh, football, baseball, and basketball for the uh, Fighting Rangers out at Westboro, MVP of the football team, most outstanding senior of the basketball team. Good defensive catcher, lousy hitter for the baseball team. Oh, well. Uh, Amy Goodman coming up next with Democracy Now. Um, Have fun today. Thanks for your participation, your remote correspondence. Heck, thanks just for being you. If you like the show, please tell someone about it. We could use the publicity. If you don't like the show, please have the decency to keep your big mouth shut. Joe Tex, what were you singing about? I can't remember, but I think it's offensive if you have skinny legs. Skinny leg phobia. Can you believe we still have to put up with that? Put up with this in 2023?